Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 57. How's it going? How you been? Happy New Year. Oh man, that's like the, what, the 11th or something today? Uh, yeah, the 12th, it's Sunday, so I mean, you know, it's New Year because it's the first uh, one of these uh, web chat and reports in the new year. I did the last one on December 28th, so yeah, exciting. My vacation's over. I had a lovely time. I'm doing this a little later in the day and on Sunday because I got a little hungover yesterday. There was a bonfire next door and I maybe just, you know, had a little bit too much at the bonfire and I just felt kind of sick and terrible all day yesterday. And so it was a lot of picking and choosing which chores I could do and pull off in my hungover state. So, you know, I focused on like groceries and making my bone broth and taking care of the baby. Playing with Jane is a really good thing to do when you're hungover over you know it's kind of like you're on the same mental level so i really like that so oh and i did a bunch of filing one of my year-end projects i have this file box in my library that i just throw everything into all year and i'm like okay i gotta file this so i spent like three hours filing yesterday which is pretty sweet and then today i was left with two tasks i wanted to accomplish over the hall or the weekend i wanted to go see 1917 and i wanted to do this podcast and it's really hard to schedule both so i just took a gamble and i went to the early noon showing in 1917 just got back so thankfully jane is still asleep i think we'll have time to pull this off before she wakes up And then I'll have accomplished everything over the weekend, which is hard to do when you have to waste a whole day drunk. Yeah, the holidays were great, though. I did a lot of my year-end projects. It felt really good. Um... Most of them are done now. I've got the unexpurgated journals sent off to the printer to make the two copies, one for the library and one for the backup library. All of my photos are sorted and all my stuff in the sort me folder that piles up through the year. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. Uh, I did play way too much Civilization for a few days there, but I've got it under control in the last week. So Uh, yeah, that's better. I'm still watching a lot of Civilization videos on Twitch. (laughs) just kind of messed up talking about a waste of time like the game's not much enough waste of a time so i gotta watch videos of it but <laughs> uh yeah and then another thing i did over the holiday was i updated my if i die doc which turned out to be a total pain in the ass you know i'm very sensitive to what a misery it'll be for emma if i die unexpectedly with all these possessions and all this crap and all this digital stuff so i have this very extensive document that's hidden away in a specific place and kind of tells her how to deal with everything. You know, we have a will, like a normal will with a lawyer and stuff, but this is more like, here's how you get into all the different bank accounts. Here's how you deal with all the startup equity. Here's how you deal. Who's Here's who to call to sell the records. Here's who to call to sell the books. And, uh, you know, ever since uh, I didn't really hadn't factored this in yet, but ever since I've gotten like a Google Titan security key and I use 2FA relentlessly uh, app based, not an SMS based, uh, it's really hard to just be like, this is your password so you can get into the bank account, right? It's like a whole like very long section just to deal with like getting access to basically like the computer and Dropbox, the bank and stuff like that, Google. 
And then, you know, this is a whole other thing because I use Google Apps for domains on one of my domains, stodgy.com. I have like the free Google Apps for domains grandfathered in from when they first launched it. But what, the way they're getting you on that is they don't have all the tricks and bells and whistles on the free one, right? It does allow 2FA, but it doesn't have a legacy account. So like regular Google, I don't know if you knew this. But with regular Google and Facebook, you can set who gets emailed and gets access to your account if you don't, if you die, basically. Facebook's is like if you die. And I imagine you have to like prove they died or something. It's unclear how that works. But Google's is more like a dead man switch. Like if you don't log into your account in X number of months, it automatically turns over the control of the account to this another, another email account. It's pretty cool. So like, you know. I had to work all that out. And then also I print up all the backup codes, the, the, you know, password recovery backup codes. I print those out and put them in the box as well. This is a really long, long document. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that took up like an entire day. It felt pretty good though. Um, and then, you know, it was weird because I was like, oh my God, what if I die or young? What if I die? You know, and then I was thinking about cancer and then I was like, you know what? Cancer would actually be kind of a relief. I know it's a horrible thing to say and I don't really mean it, but I was like, this might be an indicator of my state, some sort of terminal thing where you have three months to live. Cause I would just like go, I'd take like two weeks on the road and just see every person I cared about for like one last day and just spend one nice day with them. And then I'd just come home and spend it with my wife and it'd be such a relief, right? Like I'd just be like, well, I don't have to deal with shit anymore. But, uh, so that was not really an indicator. I was like, Ooh, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm not as uh, undepressed right now as I thought, but I think it was more just weird idle fantasizing. And let's see. So then I've been like dealing with all these like sort of memory things, right? Like I got the library and it's got all these knickknacks and a couple different times through history. I've taken photos of them all and I've always meant to sort of document them because I can't remember anymore. I'm like this thing, it has sentimental attachment and it was important symbol of time in my life, but I don't remember. And it's like all fading away. You know what I mean? So I've, and I've been trying to figure out how to like sort of document them and like document that. So I don't forget it all. And then I realized in the, if I die doc, actually it had a bunch of links which is a whole other thing because it's a printout but it has links so then i had to put a qr code make sure that she could get into the digital version but the links go to the photos in dropbox and i was like oh this is already all kind of set up i could just use the dropbox commenting system to comment on all these knickknacks so i've been slowly going through them all the photos and uh you know, writing down what I remember of certain ones and things like that. And then I added a couple things to the new year end of the list thing to take pictures of any new knickknacks that I added to the knickknack shelf and make sure to annotate them. I haven't got all that done yet, but, uh, that is something I can mainly do in idle time in front of the computer during the work week. So still got to do that. And I still got to parse the Captios. I have an app on my home screen, on my phone, and all it does is email yourself, right? It's just a blank screen, and you just type into it, and it sends it off, and it sends it to me. Except for I have it route through Gmail, and so it sends it to my email account inbox, but also there keeps an archive of them in my Evernote. So for things like song ideas and stuff like that, they're just piling up in this random Captio emails Evernote, and then once a year I parse it. And that proved incredibly useful when I was working on the album, because I was like, I'm going to work on an album, and I just looked in the songwriting folder and had all these great notes and ideas of different things to write songs about. So I still have to parse the, the Captios from 2019. So I'll do that this week as well. Uh, but basically everything else. Ooh, I did this one, file everything in the file pile in the library. Oh, that was good. Good for me. And then, uh, you know, start tax stuff, charity donations, got to start doing that stuff. And I always like to check all my domains for renewals. So that's the last of the projects. It's very, very exciting. Other than that, a lot of movies, 
We'll talk about those in the movie section. And there's been a fair amount of seeing the neighbors. Uh, you know, let's see. So after I talked before about our visitors, like Nick and Megan and Helena and Woody and Sophie and Henry and Tim. But uh, then for the New Year's, we went to our old neighbor's new house in the new neighborhood. His nice new house. It was really amazing. Good time. Met a lot of weird new kind of other friends of theirs. Some of them were pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> but that was really fun. Uh, and weirdly, like some of our current neighbors, these new people to the neighborhood were there and they, wait, was that that party or was that a, the birthday? I can't remember. Anyway, they, uh, you know, they, it turns out they both had like a career in advertising and one of them was a professor at UNC in the comm school for advertising. And we had a bunch of comments. I hit him up on LinkedIn and, uh, I'm sending a copy over my book to him because he's looking for a chapter on running an agency for his ad class at UNC. So I was like, Oh, this is serendipity. That's pretty cool. So that all worked out pretty, pretty well. And, uh, yeah, let's see, Jane. Jane is doing lovely. We had a lovely morning. She's just so cute, and she's talking more and more. And uh, her thing today, I have a bar stool, sort of a bar stool height stool in my studio that I sit on sometimes when I play guitar. And she was like, all day, all, all this morning, she just wanted to be put on that and so she could stand up on it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, and then she came over, I, I was just working on some some computer stuff, and she just stood between me and my keyboard. And every time I tried to touch the keyboard with my hand, she goes, no, and took my hands and put them around her. And then like, started going, uh, and making me shake her. So she would go, uh, and she just made me do that to her for like an hour. It was really fun. And then. And every time I'd stop, she'd go, again, again. And then I distracted her from that and I started lifting her in the air. And then she just goes, again, again. And it's adorable. I think so far, she got hiccups from all that. So I feel like I gave her hiccups today. Uh, other than that, she's doing good. Uh, I FaceTimed with her when I was in New York and she, I was so happy to see me on FaceTime one time the first night that she let mommy brush her teeth without the screaming fit. So that, that was something I'm thinking I should just hide in the basement and she, and FaceTime her and then she'll let her brush her teeth. And you know, she's getting into the age now when I get home from New York, she's like, daddy. And she acts very excited to see me. She's not really excited to see me because if I try and hug her or kiss her or pick her up she's like no and then that night she's always sort of like aloof and mean to me the night I get home and it's really painful because I missed her so much and I'm like I want to hang out with my baby and I just have to remember she'll be fine in the morning and then when I wake up in the morning and I take her out of the crib she's very happy to see me and she's super super nice the next day but it is rough when I get home because the first daddy I'm like I'm living the dream man and then she doesn't want to hang out with me all night because I haven't been part of her routine for two days it's kind of a bummer but, oh, yeah, she's good. She's good. And, yeah, I went to New York this week. First time in a month. I got a lot done. It was pretty cool. Had dinner with Kristen, my friend that I work with. And then the second night, I had got a drink with uh, Ari Shadahi, who I used to work with at Tumblr. That was really productive. And then I went and met the Aquavit people that are bringing this Aquavit to America. And that was really productive. And then I had a solo dinner at Balthazar, which was lovely. And then I went to sleep and I came home. The end. Very exciting. And I get this week off and then I go back next week. So back on the travel 
trip. <laughs> Does that make sense? Whatever. Music. Uh, let's see. So we sold three things. It's actually pretty exciting. So the first thing we sold was the New Order and Liam Glick album. I don't know if you know about this. It's, it's uh, sort of the subject of the Showtime documentary, and it, they are redoing this performance. It's with a synthesizer orchestra. They're doing it at Residency in Miami this year, but they've done it once before in England, and it's called So It Goes. It's actually has this crazy name that's like some open bracket NO, 12K, 17MIF, close bracket, So It Goes ellipsis but uh i bought the vinyl of it and i accidentally bought two so <laughs> i was like i could return there so i'll just sell it on discogs so i sold it on discogs it's been listed for a while and the guy that bought it was like uh how much to ship this and i'm like oh it's about this much he's like actually i'm not gonna do it because i just got screwed using discogs and i was like okay well if you change your mind and then the next day he just ordered it anyway it's really weird so i made a point of sending it to him very quickly and packing it very well so he wouldn't like discogs and then weirdly i sold another new order thing i've been selling a lot of new order and i'm wondering if it's because of that documentary because i sold and they're kind of new order rarities you know i sold that new order uh box set with the extra disc and then I sold this Liam Gulick vinyl 5 LP vinyl set and then I just sold the New Order Low Life uh, 20 I think it's 2014 the like deluxe double CD reissues that came out I bought them all like God, actually, it's probably like 2012. I think I lived in Soho when I bought all those. And that was like 30 bucks. So, you know, I'm selling a lot of like high price new order stuff right now. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> but really, the Ne Plus Ultra, yesterday, out of the blue, I was sitting down here, hungover, and boom, I sold a $200 CD. Yes. I felt really good about that. It was PJ Harvey dry demonstration. For those of you who don't know, the first like hundred or I think it's like a thousand copies of dry, the album on CD in the UK on two pure had an entire secret extra album in it called demonstration. And I've had this for a very long time and I did not want to sell it, but that's why I was priced at $200. It's the cheapest copy in the United States. And I sold it, and I shipped it off this morning, and it hurt a lot. Of course, I ripped it to lossless, and I'm psyched to get the money, but it still was sad, man. You know, it was a rough one. Uh, and then, uh, speaking of sad, right after the last podcast, my one of my most favorite, beloved graphic designers, the sort of founding graphic designer and art director through its entire duration of 4AD Records, Von Oliver passed away. It was really, really sad. He's one of the reasons I got into graphic design. He's one of the reasons I got into music. He's one of the reasons I wanted to be an album cover designer and did that for a while. I've seen him speak a few times. I have just hundreds and hundreds of bits and pieces of his memorabilia. I did a really long Instagram story the day I learned about his passing, and it's very upsetting. It's it's quite the bummer. So, you know, he did all those Cocteau Twins covers. His name's Alive, Pixies, Throwing Muses, Ultra Vivid Scene, Red House Painters. There's tons. I have five things by him up in my studio, which is kind of nuts. And so, taking a moment to remember Von Oliver. Very sad. Uh, vinyl. So I found new record bins. I think I told you about this. I ordered, they stopped making my record bins and it's been really a hassle because I need more. And I found something on eBay that looked similar. So I ordered a test one and it came in and it matches the old ones. Just great. So I ordered three more. 
I was hoping they would be here this weekend, although now that it turns out I had to waste the whole day hungover, I'm glad they aren't, but they'll be here next weekend, and I can finally like sort all my records and get them so that the bins aren't so tight that I can't flip through them anymore, which will be very, very exciting. So next weekend, there'll be a lot of record organizing, and uh, my two-file pile, which is probably like 40 or 50 records, is all ready to get sorted into the bins, so that'll be a fun project for next week. I only got two records this week. I got... The speaking of 480 and 23 envelope and Vaughn Oliver, actually, I don't think he did this, but uh, I got the Pale Saints Comforts of Madness, their reissue with a double LP on clear vinyl with a bunch of outtakes, peel session, things like that on the second disc. That was very, very exciting. Kind of, kind of screwed me on that one. I already own <laughs> two copies of the Pale Saints Comforts of Madness on vinyls, and now I own three. Maybe I'll sell the old ones. I really wanted those extra tracks though. And then my vinyl Mimi Please order came in, and it was Dirty Projectors Bit to Orca. I'm not really a dirty projectors fan but it did help me remember i like dirty on purpose more than i like dirty on projectors because i always get those two bands mixed up listen to a decent amount of music mainly the day or two right after the last podcast and then a few in the last couple days um but a lot of it's kind of just passed right through me there's a new spark single called please don't fuck up my world i strongly recommend it it's nice to hear them making some sort of a politically motivated protest music I listened to the Evie Sands uh, album, Any Way That You Want Me. Evie Sands is the woman that Chip Taylor used to write all his music for, and she did the first version of Angel in the Morning and Any Way That You Want Me, which was later done by the Trogs. And I was like, wow, man, he wrote a lot of songs for her, so I decided to listen to that record. It's fine. <laughs> any Way That You Want Me and Angel in the Morning are definitely two of Chip Taylor's best compositions. I don't know if I mentioned this, but Chip Taylor is John Voight's brother. Isn't that weird? It's really weird. Uh, and then Lana Del Rey, I've been listening a lot to Norman Rockwell, Norman fucking Rockwell. And I was like, you know, I liked her, I liked her first album. And I think I listened to one other one. And then I looked and I was like, oh my God, there's like five. I haven't even heard of most of these albums. I had heard Lust for Life once and, you know, Born to Die. I own, actually, I think I own Lust for Life too. But there's one I didn't even know about called Honeymoon. I was like, I don't remember this at all. So I listened to that. That was really good. And then I read some Pitchfork article about Fiona Apple and Tidal and how much Kanye West is obsessed with Tidal. And I was like, you know, I don't think I ever actually listened to that whole album. So I did. It is a very good album. It deserves to have sold all the copies that it sold. And then Nikki sent me a few things. Uh, Swami Million and Fada Trio. Beats for the Road to Azularia. I don't know where Azularia is. Azulira? But uh, the beats on that road are pretty cool, man. I could I could get on that drive. I like that album. It's kind of like slow, funky, Middle Eastern. It's nice. And then uh, Cleaners from Venus, number 13, which I liked a lot. Actually, I listened to that a few times. Is uh, Nikki learned about it because Spotify recommended it after the Swami Million album. But it's actually pretty different. And I, it's still, you know, it's dancey a little bit. But it's mellow and weird. And I think that's why they recommended it. And then there's a new motion graphics album, self-titled. That was awesome as well. I really like that. And then Nikki had me check out the new field music. I didn't really like that. I've never been really a big field music fan. I try. I think they're clever. They're interesting, but I was just kind of bored with it. Uh, let's see. Claro, Immunity. Somebody made me listen to that. Actually, I think I read about it, and I like that a lot, but I can't remember anything about it. And then, <laughs> and then there's a new Death Cab for Cutie EP called Blue, and I really enjoyed that. They're still doing cool stuff, so good for Death Cab for Cutie. And then one of my favorite live bands in the world, Golden Dawn Orchestra, has a new album called Darkness Falls of the Edge of Time. 
And it's great, but Dar- Golden Dar Island Orchestra is orchestra is really much more of a live act. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of psychedelic. It, it's basically like post-rock drone meets Krautrock meets like Ashra Temple. And it's awesome. And they're amazing live. And they often have a magician that just stands there in the back with a long beard and a staff. Every band should just have a magician that just stands there with a staff. Uh, <laughs> my, my friend Mia Salam in New York last time they came, I, I was not on the night I was there. And she said they did not have the, ma- the magician with the staff. And we were both very bummed about that. But normally I see them at South by, I see them at South by three or four years in a row now. And they always got the magician with the staff. So if you can ever see Golden Darn Orchestra, try and see him with the magician. Uh, new Black Mountain called Destroyer. That was a really cool record. I'm pretty into it. Uh, I listen to like Black Mountain all the time, and I always listen to like their new albums, but I don't ever buy them, and I don't know anything about them. <laughs> Just every time, I'm like, that's a good record. I should listen to them more, and then I forget again. Uh, then there's this uh, space rock band I love, kind of shoegazy space rock drone called Toy. T-O-Y. They have a bunch of albums. They put out one last year, and now they just put out a new one called Songs of Consumption, and it's great. Every Toy album is awesome. Toy is a great drone space rock band if you're into just, like, repetitive drone, man. I strongly recommend Toy. Listen to the next Pet Shop Boys single. They're doing a bunch of singles leading up to an album. This one's called Burning the Heather. It didn't do it for me. I'm, I don't know. I haven't, there hasn't been a hit yet out of these new Pet Shop Boys songs, but I'm, I'm still confident there will be. And then Fionn Reagan. He's like this Irish singer-songwriter dude that I first learned about in like 2008 when I was friends with this woman who was like our advertising music rep at Universal Records, like back when, I don't know if they still do this, but the labels and publishing houses would have these reps that repped the bands to the ad industry in hopes that you license their songs. It was great because you could go to free shows. She was super cool. Uh, and one of them was Be Good or Be Gone by Fionn Reagan, and I just loved it. And so I've always checked out his new albums, you know, kind of moody, atmospheric, singer-songwriter, a little bit acoustic, but not like full folk. And the new one is called Kala, C-A-L-A. And it was great. And the last thing I listened to was the new hymn called Hallelujah, which is also great. Uh, you know, they've been doing singles leading up to it for ages now. Hallelujah, the single, and of course, Summer Boy this summer. But the whole album's out, and it's solid. Haim is a solid band. Props to them. Television. We finished The Mandalorian. I watched the finale. I thought it was great. I enjoyed that show very much. Man, I think the happiest I was this year was when Watchmen and Mandalorian were coming out on Fridays and Sundays each week. That was just an amazing run of television. Uh, But we made up for it by finishing the new season of The Expanse, which was fantastic. God, that is a great show as well. Uh, I think I'm into the way that Disney Plus rolled out The Mandalorian week by week versus the way Amazon rolled out The Expanse all at once. I felt like we watched The Expanse in probably three, four weeks. It took us a while. And it felt like too fast compared to the week by week where you really get to build it up. I don't know. I'm going to might start trying to dole these things out a little bit more. And other than that, we're still watching Adventure Time. We are now in the eighth season and we are now in the part where occasionally there's an episode we see that I remember from before when I first was sort of casually watching when Emma was watching. So we're getting close. We're getting close. We will hopefully be done. Emma never watched the last episode, and so she's waiting for it. Well, I bet we, I bet we finished it in February, but we should be done in time before the HBO Adventure Time specials come along, so that's kind of our goal with that. And then we thought about what to start next. 
um, you know, it's hard to watch an hour long show when you go to bed early and the baby goes to bed and all this stuff. But we decided we got, we, we will watch the crown. We watched the first three seasons already. So we're, we're giving that a shot. It's short. So we'll do that. And then we might start billions. Everybody says it's so great. I don't know the other one <laughs> succession. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. We're watching the crown now. We still have the good place, but we're, we're letting them pile up a little bit. Uh, you know, before we get to the finale, I'm trying to savor those and that's it. Not a lot of television. I did go see a bunch of movies. Uh, <laughs> I saw Jumanji to the next level. Why did I see that? Cause a lot of stuff I wanted to see hadn't come out yet. It's very frustrating. And I was like, well, I want to go to a movie. It's the week. It's the holiday. And I go to movies. So I'm going to go to Jumanji to the next level. I mean, it's pretty cool. If you want to see the rock and the mountain get in a fight. No, the hound was it the hound. Yeah. The hound, the rock and the hound. <laughs> They get in a fight. That's pretty cool. But, you know, it's a it's a video game fight, so it's not, like, awesome brawl or anything. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. I thought, for, you know, everybody's very good actors in it. It's very hard to act in those kind of movies. And there's a twist in this one that makes it even more impressive, the acting. But it's kind of like, uh, what's her name? Orphan Black. Where it took seasons and seasons and seasons before she got a Golden Globe nomination for acting like 40 different people. And this one is kind of the same thing. Like, these people are very good at acting like lots of different people. But, you know, at the same time, the plot, I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. Uh, and then I went and saw Little Women, and I just bawled the whole time. So, she tells you something about me, <laughs> especially when the dad came home from the war. I'm just like, <laughs> but I bawled about love. I bawled about babies. Oh, God. There's early on when the baby the neighbor poor baby dies and i'm just like oh, oh and then of course beth and oh, jesus yeah man i was i was a wreck i was a puddle in that movie that's not good that's not good uh and then emma and i watched marriage story did i talk about that i feel like i already talked about that let me look no i did not uh so very well acted but i did not enjoy that movie i felt very manipulated by it i don't like movies that are balanced to basically have a couple watch the movie and be have the people in the movie be so finely balanced that neither one is fully right or fully wrong and it's all just there to like spark you having conversations in your relationship about relationships man and like i just don't like that shit and i don't like that you know uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just bothered me. I felt manipulated, but it, they, they are very good at their acting. So I'll give them that, but I don't think it was the masterpiece. Other people think it's a masterpiece. I often feel this way with Noah Baumbach movies though. I don't, you know, they don't feel real to me. And Emma was like, well, that's every movie, you know? And I was like, no, it's not. I didn't feel that way. And little women, I didn't feel that. I can't remember. I just rattled off everything else I'd seen recently. And I was like, I did not feel that way. And she's like, what about Ford versus Ferrari? You said it was manipulative. like, no, I didn't say it was manipulative. I said the plot was great. There's just only one woman character. And she was like a bit of a cliche because she was the suffering wife, but she was actually very fully developed and more interesting than these people in their marriage. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't like it. And, you know, I was trying to explain to her, like, I'm like the way the plot is presented in marriage story is manipulative, right? Like, in the end, it transpires that the man did have an affair. I mean, he, you know, he hooked up with some woman outside of his marriage because the marriage was going bad. Classic manipulative thing in movies right there. But not only that, they also like chose the order in which to tell us this, right? So they, they didn't tell us that right away. Rather, they chose to show the woman doing something really bad, as in hiring the lawyer, before they explained to us that he did something really bad and that she knew it. So like the story itself would be 
fine told from that perspective, like, oh, look, she's hurting. She's doing this to him. But you don't see that. So you start to dislike her first. And then you realize, that, oh, no, it was him. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. You're manipulating me. Like, it's a tragedy enough watching a breakup of two people without you manipulating me through it. That is my beef with that. And then uh, I just saw 1917, just got back a few minutes ago. So it's a little still still fresh. Uh, it's pretty intense, but it is, it wasn't as viscerally real as I thought it would be. The acting's great. The effects are great. The one take thing is really brilliant. Uh, it's intense, but it's a little action hero-y and it, 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 maybe it's cause last ho- last holiday season, I watched the Peter Jackson World War One documentary, so I know like a, like how much more filthy the trenches are and how more tedious their lives are, and I was like, this guy, if he pulled that off, he'd be dead, and he didn't die, and that's just silly. I mean, you know, as action hero, you like oh, give me a break, but uh, you know, all in all, is very good. The, the trauma part is there, right? Like unlike action hero, I guess I would say, in fairness, that. For all the abuse his body takes, he feels it. He's traumatized. You definitely get the sense of shell shockedness at the end. So that's fair. You know, you could chalk it up to just a miracle that he lived, but he knows it's a miracle and he's, he's, he's a mess. So it's good in that way. And I definitely, I felt, I felt the ending really brings it home. The last 15, 20 minutes are very, very, very solid. I might change my opinions about this movie as longer I go on. Uh, before, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, yeah, I'm all in. And then when I started getting Best Picture noms, my expectations went up. So I should have just saw it back then, but it didn't show up here until just now, which is very annoying because they told me it was going to be here on Christmas and they lied to me and I'm still bitter about it. Books. I finished that Complexity, a guided tour book by Melanie Mitchell. Uh, I did not enjoy it towards the end. I think you could read half that book and stop. But I will say, in fairness, somewhere towards the end, they had a chapter saying what the naysayers think about complexity theory. And I read that chapter. And I was like, that's me. So <laughs> I was like, good. At least they had a chapter acknowledging the, the naysayers. And now I'm reading. So I finished that and I was like, OK, I'm going to just read something short before I start long book time. And I look through my Kindle and I have like five short books. I was like, I'll read these first just to like get them out of the way. And so I picked the shortest one and I had kind of forgot I bought it. And. And uh, I read this New Yorker article about this dude. His name is Adam Phillips. He's like a psychotherapist academic in England. And uh, he, but he's a bit of a, you know, like uh, he's very prolific with books. So, you know, that's intriguing to me. He's a, uh, he has a lot of different interests. He's a dilettante, a lot of different stuff. Some of his books are about cooking. He's written tons of different random books. And I was like, OK, cool. This guy's got productivity. So I'm into that. And the title of this book really got me excited. And it's called Missing Out in Praise of the Unlived Life. And I was like, oh, interesting. This could be a book that like helps me deal with FOMO. Or perhaps it's a book that like tackles, this is what it said in Quick Passing in the article about him, that helps you tackle like the regrets of not doing certain things in your life. And I was like, well, sign me up for that, man, because I'm very happy with all the choices I made. And I still feel regrets. And it drives me crazy sometimes. And it's all the more annoying because I consciously made these choices. And I know I'd make them again. But <laughs> like, what is this regret? It's annoying. So, uh, yay, give me a self help book about that especially one that's only 200 pages which all sounds great in paper right but uh this guy actually he's not the writer for me there's a lot of problems with his writing in this day and age one he's an old white man that writes about old white men he's currently 
editing the Oxford reissues of all Sigmund Freud's complete works. And I guess I hoped he could keep that aside from when he was doing this, but no, this whole book, like Freud is in this book just endlessly. And I don't care. I don't care about Freud's theories about any of this. It's not helpful to me at all. And then he's got this like really bad habit, (laughs) two bad habits that I find very tedious that especially are done by old men, English authors. Number one, they talk about Shakespeare, like the people are real people and I won't go on too long of a rant of it, but it's the same thing as marriage story, right? It's not real. It's a screenplay. The Tempest is a screenplay, like using fake fictional characters to tell me something about human reality. I get why you do it because you, you know, but like it's annoying and it's doubly annoying when you choose Shakespeare because yeah, in the old days, Shakespeare was this universal thing, but you're just being cloying and academic at this point, And you might as well just use Frasier or something that like people actually fucking know. I don't, I haven't read Frasier and I've read the Tempest, but I'd still rather use fucking Frasier. So that's really annoying to me as well. And then the final thing are people that use the etymology of a word to advance their argument about the meaning of the word in today's society. Drives me crazy. And he does it all the fucking time in this book. Let's talk about the word frustration. And, you know, it comes from this root. And from that root, this root means this root. And this root means this root. And I'm like, I don't care. That has nothing to do with us needing to talk about frustration. You're using it as a as a literary device to say, you know, it's got to do with this myth of this person and this person strapped himself, you know, like whatever. I don't actually think it's from the Odyssey. I'm just bullshitting because I, I just skim these parts. They drive me crazy. And in fact, you can always skim the etymological arguments in any book or anything because they're irrelevant. And if you skip five, ten pages ahead, the guy will actually say a few interesting things about frustration in the end but like you wasted 10 pages about with a bunch of etymology that is irrelevant to like my emotional feelings about frustration and it drives me crazy and every book that does that is really really annoying and he keeps saying we feel this way we feel this way and he loves like throwing off a sentence like you know if all belief is mirage does that mean all mirage is truth and I'm like no no it does not in fact mean that and somewhere in the middle of the book I'm not done with it yet because it's so annoying I'll finish it tonight or tomorrow I just started highlighting sentences that were factually untrue and saying no like they just look pretty on the page but they're untrue we all believe this I'm like no I don't believe that no we all come from this all parents are this I'm like nope not true and I just (laughs) it's terrible it is not a good book and I am very sympathetic to this dude because he's written a lot of books he seems pretty smart and I like people that write a lot of books and I don't put a ton of effort into my books and I'm sure somebody could tear it apart in the way I'm tearing this book apart so I feel bad and if I was really a good person I wouldn't say these things so hyperbolically and additionally I would go like read two or three more Adam Phillips books out of his 20 some books he's written and like maybe I'd find one that was more up my alley but I chose this one because topically it was the one most up my alley so yeah, that is very, very frustrating. <laughs> I will stop now. Oh, maybe it'll, you know, I do this and then I finish the book and tell you next week. Actually, go really good at the end. So maybe that'll happen. I want that to happen. I want to enjoy the books I'm reading and especially these two in a row. It's kind of underwhelming. It's kind of a bummer. I picked this one specifically because I thought it'd be interesting after the last one. I was like, I am all about unlived life and like getting to embrace this shit. Like, hook me up, man. Let me deal with my FOMO. No, nothing. No, very little practical. One or two sentences randomly here and there. That's about it. So work, I'm back at work. Uh, over the holiday, we did CCPA implementation on January 1st, the California Consumer Privacy Act, the privacy stuff that you've probably been seeing a lot of people telling you, we've updated our privacy policy. 
and got all the data export and right to be a no and right to be forgotten. We got all that up and running in the app. So that's kind of fun doing a little work in the middle of our holiday. But uh, now we're back. And, you know, I took a little bit longer of a holiday than everybody else because I didn't start till Monday, the fifth or sixth or something, instead of just starting again on the second. I mean, why wouldn't you just take those two days off to like get four extra days off, right? I mean, it's pretty sweet. Also, I found a bug in JustWorks, which is pretty exciting. Uh, a bunch of us took those two days off the third and fourth of January. Or I'm sorry, the second, third of January. But if you took him off by selecting one full vacation across the new year, it takes those January 2nd and 3rd days from your 2019 allocated uh, uh, vacation days. But if you took those two days off as a separate vacation, it takes them from your 2020 vacation days. So four of us did this and just works counted up our vacation for 2020 going forward in two different ways. It's kind of weird. So I found a bug. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, and other than that, you know, things are good and going well at work. We got a new guy started. It's pretty exciting. It's our first remote employee aside from myself. He lives over on the West Coast. He's a solutions engineer. So that's you know going to be very, very helpful with all the new clients. And time off revenue since the new year is a little bit shitty. You know, new year, CCPA, it's always kind of craters on New Year's, but Nimbus revenue's actually been doing really well. So that's pretty cool. It's nice to have a twofold revenue stream. Oh, and I have a new update in the Chatham Tech segment of this podcast. The Eagle, which is the convenience store slash gas station slash Burger King slash post office that I go to to ship uh, my packages, now has a Bitcoin AP ATM. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> I might use it. Uh, it also has a million different brands of e-cigarettes, and they all have fruity flavors because they're all small, and the FDA has never heard of them, and all the press cares about is Juul. So now Juul just sells mint and regular, and there's like 10 new brands that are selling the fruity flavors, and I'm not really sure what we accomplished with all of that. So yay us. And that's about it. I did go back on my diet. So I took 2019 off and I'm going to take 2020 and I'm going to diet all year unless I get down to, you know, my goal weight, which is was 60 pounds under where I started. Now it's 55 pounds. I've already lost five pounds. So back on the diet, man, I'm doing the intermittent fast again, 16 hours a day, uh, no cheese, no fried food, no bread, whole thing. Hardcore. I'll do an occasional cheat day when I'm in New York and, <laughs> and, or at a bonfire next door. But really I, I plan on not cheating mostly even in New York. I'm going hardcore at least for the first several months. Uh, maybe it's will happen quick and I don't need to do the whole year, but I'm assuming it's going to take the whole year. I had to lose, I lost 80 pounds last time. I gained about 25 over 2019 where I didn't worry about it. So now I have about 55 more to lose. Yeah, it's crazy, but I'm into it. I feel a lot better. I feel healthy and I really am enjoying it and I'm enjoying my broth. And <laughs> it's a little bit hard with Jane, but I, I think I can manage it. She, she keeps trying to feed me crackers and stuff and I'm like, no, I can't have those. But I will update you on that as the year goes by. So cool, man. So that's it for this week. thought I'd give you a nice short one because the other one was so epic last time. And, you know, I need to cram this one in before Jane wakes up. Pack him in here. 
But it's good talking to you guys. Uh, keep the texts coming. And uh, yeah, I hope your holiday was awesome. And you hope you're not having too hard of a time adjusting to reality. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. Bye.